This episode, no father, no king. Just a broken old man broken by the whiskey. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. We're continuing our label series. This time we're looking at Bridge Nine Records, and specifically Aaron sits down with Johnny Smurdell from Beloved and Advent. Of course, Beloved doing all of their releases on, uh, on Solid State Records. Advent doing a couple there as well, but the latest record from Advent was actually released on Bridge Nine, so they talk about that kind of transition, what led to that, uh, all that kind of good stuff as well. Johnny's going to share his five favorite releases from Bridge Nine Records. Before we get there, though, let's just go through the housekeeping. Uh, follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod. That's Instagram and Twitter. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. Uh, you can find us online, growingpunkpod.com. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, all of that good stuff. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube. And wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe, you rate, you review, all that good stuff. Let's not waste any more time. This is Aaron sitting down with Johnny of Beloved and Advent sharing his five favorite Bridge Nine records. So what's uh, the first memory you have of, of hearing about Bridge Nine Records? Do you remember what the band or the release was? Oh, it was American Nightmare. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in, in punk, got into it. And so some of my first favorite hardcore bands were, were the bands that had that, that good mixture of, of punk and hardcore, like traditional hardcore. Right. Um, and when American Nightmare put out that seven inch, uh, it, it kind of blew my mind, like a sound like that. Um, you know, Tim, who was in 10 yard fight, I liked 10, I liked 10 yard fight, obviously. But, uh, and then when he, when 10 yard fight ended, uh, I believe they ended, it was like 99, I believe that's when, when they ended. Um, and they did the seven inch that we'll talk about. Um, I was, I was like, done this this new level where this where they're taking it is is so different it's the same but it's different it's super unique and and i was all in and there's a there's a really amazing story that that caught my attention uh and it may be folklore so i haven't gotten to verify this with chris from bridge nine the, the owner of bridge nine i believe chris 
and, and this was like the rumor mill going around on, on the B9 boards and, and through just hardcore is Chris got paid to fight in an alley and he won the fight and he got enough money to press that, that first seven inch <laughs> for, for American nightmare. And that's what launched the label pretty much. Yeah, that's about as hardcore as it gets. Yeah, it's amazing, and the most the most Boston thing ever. Yeah. So when you, when you got that seven inch, like, did you um, like you notice the label on it at that point, or kind of how did you kind of get more accustomed to it and start realizing like, okay, this is a label that's putting out you know music that I'm interested in. I want to follow them. I'll buy you know whatever their logo is on. Kind of how did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so. When when that seven inch came out, I was in a band. I was I, I did college for one year. I, I was no, I'm sorry, two years of college. And one of those years, um, I, I lived about four hours away in a town called Greenville, North Carolina. And some friends that um, North Carolina has always had a really rich um, connection, so city connection. There there was never like this city didn't like that city. You know, some bigger cities are like that. Uh, North Carolina, so if you, Charlotte and Raleigh are the two major cities in North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is, if you've ever heard of the Andy Griffith show, that's Mayberry. That's where I grew okay. up. Um, but it's closest to Winston-Salem. And so um, Charlotte's in the south, Raleigh's in the east, and then Winston-Salem's kind of right in between the two. And so shows would happen in that triangle area and everyone would go everywhere. And so everyone was connected. And um, I was playing in a band called over and out that later before I joined or right when I joined beloved, they ended up signing with a, a label called stabbing kill that was in that same um, kind of family as bridge nine. So Nick Troutman who played guitar in that band who's still a friend of mine to this day. Nick was super deep in, in, into a, a, that style of hardcore. Um, and I remember he called me, we didn't have cell phones or, or was at band practice and we listened to that seven inch and, and then, you know, just like anything, you, you find that seven inch and you're like, this is like nothing really going on right now. I need to dig deeper, dig deeper, dig deeper. And so, I mean, that's kind of how it is. And, but I'll, but I'll say this, I don't, for for any late, I was never. I'm gonna buy everything that's on Bridge Nine. I was always like, I'm gonna listen to everything of Bridge Nine, and if it's my thing, I'll buy it. And it just so happens that some of my favorite bands, Chris at Bridge Nine, put some of my favorite bands' records out. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So, kind of moving moving ahead, how did Advent, you know, end up connecting with Bridge Nine? You know, you'd had a history with Tooth and Nail, Solid State for a long time. Dude. So, kind of how did you know, is it just because there was a break in there? Or I'd love to hear uh, how you connected so, with them. I mean, it is the lamest thing, the lamest answer I could give, which to me it's not lame, but a lot of people probably, it was, it was, it was like a divine thing, like how it happened. Uh, so Advent, so kind of going back a little bit. So Beloved, we, we put out one record um, with solid state and it was we were like okay the band it's time to to end matt joe and i uh matt yeah matt joe and i we were like we don't want to stop playing music we don't want to stop playing heavy music and beloved has has kind of two like matt joe and i are super into heavy music dusty and josh were in um to the more rock side I, and that's what made beloved i think dynamic like that yeah, for sure um and so when we split off 
um, the way the beloved contract was, is it was, I believe like one with the option of three. So you put one record out and then solid state has first refusal for, for three consecutive records. Um, and so we put that record out. We decided not to be a band anymore. So Advent started. So under the contract that Matt, Joe, and I were signed, we had to take it to Solid State. So Solid State put it out. They put two records out. Um, super thankful for that. But by the time Naked and Cold came out, I think Solid State was done. Like when when we sent them that record, I think they were like, "What are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. Like, like this is not our sound. It's not. It's not. We don't really put things out like this." And so it was kind of a lackluster. They just put it out. And yeah. Like, was that album the, that, you know, that different? I, I can't recall exactly right now. It's... To, to me, it wasn't. But, I mean, to, to us, like, I feel like we really found our sound on Naked and Cold. Um, but it just didn't seem like it, was solid, it wasn't Solid State's bag, right? Like, they were, they were, that's when, like, Under Oath is becoming the Under Oath that everyone knows. Right. Like, these in, incredible bands with incredible people, but money makers, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that record, I, I believe they're only chasing safety went, went at least gold. So at yeah, least yeah. 500,000 copies in the U S. Um, and so when we put that record out, if you put those two albums together, like it, they just don't compare, like, like it's not the same fans at all. And we recognize that the label recognized that. So we, we decided I had actually, my wife and I had our, our had our daughter. Um, and we were, we were still trying to do it right. Like, and it's, like when you're in a hardcore band trying to make it happen and trying to do it, it's, it's still hard, you know, like we're not making any money from it. I, I'm yeah. like working using my PTO. So my vacation time to, to tour as much as possible, not being able to go on vacation with your family because the vacation time you have, you're using to tour. Right. Um, and it was like, guys, like, you know, I'm not sure um, if, if this is, this is really going to work. And, there's no denying like Advent is a, a spirit centered hardcore band. Um, we, and we were wondering, you know, some guys were like wondering where they kind of stood. And, and as you grow older, you kind of do that. And it was like, okay, if, if we're kind of unsure on this um, and we've got this family stuff going, maybe it's, maybe it's time to take a break. So we, we quit, we quit the band. Um, and, and four years later, um, Joe, whose father passed away suddenly, um, who everyone in Advent, everyone in Beloved was super, super close with, with Joe's family. They're incredible. Um, Beloved would have been nothing without Joe's family. Um, everyone in, in Beloved's family, but, but yeah. Joe's family is super important and close. And obviously when you're um, at that stage in life and you lose a parent, um, it, it affects you. And so we, we were like, you know what? we're advent was a band that we just didn't write songs to be cool. Right. We write, we wrote songs or we write songs to say something. And Joe had to say something like he had to get it out. And so we all up, we talked and we're like, let's see if we can still write songs. We got together we started writing and it worked. Um, the contract had kind of expired. Right. So we didn't have a label. We were kind of good. We were kind of glad yep. at that because we knew where we were going. Um, now, now the belief is the same for Advent. So like the spirit of Advent hasn't changed. The sound has gotten, you know, a little more grittier, heavier or whatever. Um, and we just knew that, that solid state, it wasn't right. 
Um, so we assumed we didn't know if anyone would be interested, right? Like we were like, I, I don't think anyone's going to be interested. Maybe we'll just put this out ourselves, try to sell some shirts to put a seven inch out, blah, blah, blah. So we randomly, we, we put a, I think it was like on Instagram, like, yeah, we're coming back and this is what's going to happen. We recorded the record. We paid for it ourselves. We didn't do like a, you know, a GoFundMe or anything. Yeah. We sold some merch. We paid for the record and we were literally just going to do it. And, um, and then we get an e- a random email from bridge nine saying, Hey, we'd love to talk with you. So of course I crap my pants. Yeah. I like call all the guys. <laughs> I'm like, Holy crap. This, this email just came through. And so I, so I, I got on with, uh, the bridge nine crew and long story short, someone had given Chris naked and cold after we had, had not been a band and I think he listened to it for the first time. I, you know, I, you know, the, what he told me was obviously that he never paid attention to it because that type, he was just not into a solid state band. That's just yeah, not his sure. thing. Yep. Someone gave him the record. Some of the guys uh, who worked in the warehouse, liked the record, gave it to him. And he heard that we were coming out and he was like, man, I think it would be really cool to put a record out. So it was literally like, like there was no, we didn't pitch it to them. Um, I'm still blown away by it. I'm, I'm 38 years old and I'm like, I can't believe that Advent who we are, you know, a band of people that believe in Jesus and love Jesus. And we write songs that are centered around that. And as far as I know, we're the first, you know, Christian, whatever you want to call it, band that, that bridge nine has ever considered and pressed a record for. Yeah. That's um, awesome. And I mean, they have been the, one of the, it's, it's been one of the greatest business relationships I've ever had in music. Um, the one page contract, we, we own the songs because we, we recorded them. They pressed the record. They gave us a certain number of the records and they promoted it and it, it was beautiful. So it's, it's such an amazing, uh, partnership and where we, we feel so, so lucky that we get to be a part of some of our favorite bands. Yeah, that's amazing. So are you guys still on Bridge Nine or was that just for that release or uh, is it kind of just depending on what happens with the band? And Yeah, super. Um, it, it, it's, it, it was essentially like a one, like let's do this and you put some more music out, let's hear it. If we have time to put it out, we'll work with it. So it, it was such a cool, um, you know, cool opportunity. So yeah, we'll always technically be on Bridge Nine, like Pain and Suffering is part of the Bridge Nine uh, this discography. So it was, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. I mean, it's, it seems like it's pretty common now for bands to, you know, kind of hop labels just depending on contracts when things run out. And, but yeah, it's a pretty unique case, you know, where you guys came back, you know, you'd been through the whole beloved thing and then starting over with advent and then taking time away. And so it's really, really neat how that kind of all worked out. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we had, we had talked with some other labels that we were friends with, um, but they kind of just felt that, you know, the content that we sing about, they just didn't want that associated with their label. Um, I mean, hardcore is weird like that, right? Like, um, yeah. even though you, know, you can't really tell what you're saying anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Chris was, I'll say like, Chris never said, Hey, I need to see your lyrics. 
to see if, if we're going to allow this. Um, like nothing like that. Like, like it's such a cool, it's like, Hey, we know who you are. We know what you're about. We know, um, how you do things and we want to do this record. Yeah. So incredible. Well, and it goes to show the integrity of a label as well, because, you know, why can they allow 20 bands to have X content and then yours because mm-hmm. it doesn't agree with them? It's like, well, there's, I'm sure there's lyrics from other bands that maybe they don't agree with either, but, you know, because yeah. it's not tagged to, you know, faith or spirituality, you know, totally. bands can just do whatever. So, yeah, that, that's really cool that a label can can see past that and realize that, you know, it's more about, you know, the integrity of the music than just the lyrical content or personal beliefs of a band or something like that. So that's, yeah. that's really and cool. And, you know, when, when it, like, when you boil it down for, like, what we believe as a band, it's probably pretty in line with a lot of the people on that label. We just, we just look at things in a deeper way. And it's, it's just cool that, the those stigmas of you know closed-minded Christians who don't know anything um, are, are are you know racist or you know whatever that looks like they didn't allow those stigmas to to stick right they they went into it with open minds to like really see do we agree with you artistically yes is it a fit yes let's do this yeah and what was the the response to that to that album overall um, it's i mean i think really well um i mean there's still like like since it, it, as beloved so we we made a conscious choice to not really do christian tours um we we've done we we did one big one um and it was mainly because remove the earth was coming out so it was like demon hunter um living sacrifice the famine um oh sleeper and us it was like a solid state tour yeah, we opened um, I mean, really, Living Sacrifice is one of the greatest yeah, for sure. metal bands of all time. And if the reality is, if they weren't believers, they'd be as big as Sepultura. Like, yeah. insane. Um, going back to listen, I am so surprised that I don't think on the two Solid State episodes anyone talked about Living Sacrifice, which is insane. And so I'm nervous about this, like talking about my, <laughs> my top five Ridge Nine, because I'm like, I was like, how, how, how did no one talk about living sacrifice? Even though we know it's, it, it, but it's, it's hilarious. But um, so we did that and it was, it was incredible. But so the majority of our friends that were bands were not Christian bands. And, you know, we, we did a lot of tours and we're told like, we can't play. Or if you, uh, I remember we, we did a tour with Shy Halud, Rain Supreme, Rain Supreme, who are some of our best friends ever um jay and clint and uh and mikey all those guys are such important people still in our lives um those guys vouched for us hard Mm. like i remember we played uh we did a tour with them i think it was in like indiana or indianapolis or something like that we played a house show and the promoter asked jay he's like hey can you have advent play last so so the majority of the people don't have to sit through them and, and they can just leave. And then you say, you guys play. And Jay was like, no, like, you know, anyone who thinks rain Supreme's an awesome band that doesn't think Advent's an awesome band. We don't want them to watch it. Like, like just real, real dudes. Yeah. When it comes to that. Um, 
we, we did a, a, I remember we played with, it was Shai Halud, Reign Supreme, and the Carrier, and us. Uh, we played in New York City, and the promoter emailed us, and we're like, if you say one thing about God, you will not be allowed to play the show. I think, I think at first they said we couldn't play the show, and all the other bands were like, well, we just won't do the show. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. But they have to follow these strict guidelines. And you're like, what is going on? So, so we're used to that, right? Like yeah. people not like they, they hear we're, this is the band we are. So we're not going to listen to it. Um, but I think, so I, I don't, it, it's weird, right? From the inside looking out saying, how was it accepted? I think it was accepted really well. Um, I mean, we know that we're, we're not like a top selling record for bridge yeah. nine. Like, um, but it, it did really well. We played, uh, all the shows we play are incredible. Um, yeah. So I, I think it did well, right? Like who knows? Um, yeah. yeah no, did you cool. like it? Did you think it was good? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a few years ago now. Um, yeah. 2017. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not super fresh in my mind. I was trying to to catch up on on all these albums a bit here today, um, so I didn't get to listen through all the Advent stuff again. But um, yeah, and just kind of curious, you know, whether it's you know press or just you know coming back after a time away, you know, do people kind of remember still, or is it? Do you feel like you're kind of like fighting for your spot again after you know kind of being out of it for a few years? Or I I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think that. Um, we've been really fortunate that, so when we, when, when we ended naked and cold had kind of, I, I think was, was, was almost at its, its, its arc, you know, we hadn't started coming down yet. Um, and so there were a lot of people that heard that record that never got to see us. And so when we came back, um, and we came back really loosely, like, you know, right. two like Joe and I both have kids, um, uh, Mike lives in Portland. Jordan lives in Nashville. So it's whenever we play, we play. Um, so shows were really good. We met a lot of people that were like, wow, like I was 17 when Pain and Suffering came out. Um, or I'm sorry, Naked and Cold. And so I never got to see you. And so now yeah, I'm, cool. I'm older. I'm, you know, 22, 23, whatever now. And I actually get to see you guys and see you play these songs and these, these new songs. So um, I think that we've always been very respectful in, in our scene. So we have been very fortunate to, to have earned respect. And I think, th I think this is a really important thing that people don't talk about a lot. Um, I think it is important to earn respect in the scene you're in and the state you're in by putting in the work being uh a steward of this thing that we love called hardcore, right? Like I, I think you need to serve and not worry about being served. And we have yeah. always put a very big emphasis on serving, whether it's uh, letting bands stay with us, putting on shows in our hometown for bands, um, bands within North Carolina, supporting those bands and, and traveling for those bands. Um, so, so anytime we play, we, we, because we, we choose to serve, I believe we have some respect in, in some of these bigger scenes. Um, so I feel like we, when we put the record out and when we play, there's a, a, a group, especially the, an older generation that has respect for us and, and respects who we are as a band, no matter what. So, so I do think it's been a really good experience, um, because of, 
of the music. I think the songs stand, uh, still stand. I think, you know, how we write and, and what we write stands. I think that the heart of our band, whether you believe, um, what we do, you can, you can be affected by it. Um, and then the lives that we lead, you know, people respect that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good outlook to have, and that that makes all the difference, right? How you kind of not just your presence when you're on stage or even as a record, but like the rest of the time, right? That all that all counts for something too, and so it's you know something I think Absolutely, a lot of bands man. you know maybe don't put emphasis on or you know whatever whatever the case is. So yeah, that's rad. Yeah, I don't think you know I think it is a you know some bands just choose to have that persona, right? Like because there are some parts of hardcore that are really like similar to, to big rock music. Like they, they party, they get chicks, they handle business when business needs to be handled in a certain way. Um, there are some bands that that's how they choose to be a band. And you know, that's, that's their thing, right? For us, we just chose not to do that. We chose to, to serve. And so whether that's helping bands load onto stage, helping bands load up at night, uh, selling a band's merch for them while they play, that kind of stuff matters. It's not cool, right? Like kids don't buy your shirt because they know that, you know, if, if things happen, you know, you could whoop some ass. Like like that sells merch, right? right. Like, oh, this band's the hardest band that I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, the things we do, we, we don't really want to shout them out or talk about it. Um, if another band that we've helped or, or, or been cool with wants to talk about it, awesome. But um, I would much rather earn respect than tons and tons of record sales because of hype. Right. Yeah. So, so you're saying Advent won't have a shirt that says "We ain't whooping no ass." <laughs> <laughs> we ain't opening no cans of whoop ass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, let, let's get into some of these these albums that mean something to you from Bridge Nine A. Yeah, um, man. Like I said, I, I don't know a lot of the. I mean. There's a few for sure that like were 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 big albums, you know, where I saw the bands live or my friends were listening to them, so they're familiar enough. But I always love hearing, you know, thoughts from somebody who who really knows the music and who's passionate about it. And so, yeah. that's, uh, the first one we'll talk about is "Have Heart," songs to scream at the sun. Walk away, I see what's playing 
I could be the boy you couldn't be I'm the father you didn't get to see I'm the youth you did not get to live Or feel the love this world forgot to give This is the second and final studio album by Have Heart, released on July 8th, 2008. The band announced their breakup the next year, which I'm sure was unfortunate for many. So why, why is this band meaningful to you and this album specifically? Um, so, so two things. I think, I think that Have Heart is one of the most important straight-edge bands of this, this new generation. And I think they're pro- it's I think this record is probably the, one of the most important records that Bridge Nine's ever put out. Mm. Um, I think lyrically, it connected a lot of people to um, some some deeper emotional things. Um, you know, they 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 talk about um, you know self doubt. Um, I mean, I guess you could say even mental illness, um, stress, struggle. Uh, the idea to be something that that you deep down inside you know you're not but the pressure to feel you have to do it and i think that that they really connected uh with a lot of um kids adults whatever you want to call them um on a deeper level um on this record so i i think it's one of the most important hardcore records of the past 20 years mm-hmm. absolutely and why this one versus the previous one was that the weight we carry? Is that what it was called? Yeah, uh, so that's, a, that's a great record. Um, the writing on this. So take the lyrics away. The writing on this is phenomenal. So I am a big, and and this is something that kind of flows through every one of these these records. Um, it's. It's simple in the best possible way. So, so I, the the type of guy I am, I'm never I've never been a um, like a animals as leaders like like super tech right um, you know show off type of of fan of music. That's just not my thing. I, I respect it. Um, I think that between the buried me is or one of the the greatest technically written song writers. Uh, in in modern time, yeah. friends of ours, I love them. But um, I, to me, songs that last a lifetime are simple. Uh, it has a it, it has a melody that that you can connect with. Um, I think it's it, it needs to be something that people can relate to. Like I can play that 
why is ACDC one of the greatest rock bands of all time? Still Because it's four yeah. on the floor. Oh, okay, sorry. It's simple. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it gets locked in your head. So they're, they're worried about the song not yeah, yeah. to show off, right? Like, I want, you know, everyone to just watch me play guitar. I don't want that. I want to bang my head. I want to, you know, smash my fist on the ground. And I want to be able to sing along to every, everything you do. And, um, and to have heart, I think musically, uh, I mean, first Kurt Ballou recorded it, you know, Kurt Ballou's on this three times on this list that we're going to talk about as far as producing. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the, the sound of the record, the songwriting and the lyrics, it's, I, I think it's, the greatest release bridge night has, has released. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The reason I asked that is because I remember, is it the weight we carry? Is that what it's called? The first one? I, I believe the or first the one. Things yeah. We carry or some. Yeah. Like I, I remember that one just like blowing up here. Like everybody was talking about have heart and there was people, you know, driving down to the States, to different festivals or shows to see them. And, um, I'm not sure if they came through here or not, but, yeah, I just, you know, even just the record cover is like stuck in my head with the like sunrise. That's beautiful. Kind of thing. And, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was just curious why, like, well, if there was anything different about this one versus versus the first one that stood out. But yeah, lots of lots of good thoughts and definitely a band that's that was done too soon. You know, there's there's a lot of bands like that. Um, but it seemed like, you know, when these guys went out, like they were just kind of, you know, right at their peak. And then I'm, I'm not sure what happened yeah. with, it, with them, but. They were, they were cool. We actually played uh, a show on that. They did like a, a, a breakup tour, world tour. And oh, we yeah. played with them in, in Florida. That was incredible. We were, we were on tour with a call to preserve great band. Yeah. Um, we were just, our, our tours met up. So it was call to preserve us foundation, which released a record on bridge nine. That's phenomenal. Uh, gone too soon. Um, cruel hand and have heart. Uh, it was, it was incredible. I, I think it was in Orlando. Um, and, and they're real guys. Like, like it wasn't a, they, they roll up in a van and trailer. Um, I mean that the way that tour went, those guys could have had a bus. Mm-hmm. If, if anyone understands like ticket sales and things like that, like, yeah. um, they, they could have had a 25, $30 show ticket. They, they, they could have, charged whatever they wanted. It would have sold out. They could have been on a bus. They could have all walked away with, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a piece in their pocket, but they had it was like a ten dollar show or fifteen dollar show. Like like they kept it real mm. even though they were the level they were. And they brought hardcore to the world. Like literally to the world. Like they play in places I'd never even heard before. Yeah. Um same with, with some other bands on here. Like they yeah, I mean, I think they changed they changed people's lives, one hundred percent. That's awesome, and it's really cool hearing that kind of firsthand impact um, that they had on you, you know, musically and and as a person too. That's cool. Uh, so the second one is Terror, lowest of the low. Yeah. 
So this album was released on Bridge Nine 2003, and it was re-released um, on Trust Kill in 2005. What do you know? What the story is with that one? I I think that it was it was one of those one and done. So um, Todd Jones, who I'm a huge Todd Jones fan, Carry On, Terror, Nails, uh, Betrayed, uh, phenomenal songwriter, um, and then Scott Vogel from one of the one of my favorite bands, Buried Alive. Um, I think it was, hey, we're putting this record out. You're a legit hardcore label. Do you want to do it? And so Chris was like, yeah, of course, we'll do it. Uh, I actually pre-ordered this this record. Um, so this, I believe it, the 7-inch sold out. So I ordered, um, and if I wasn't an idiot and, and lost stuff, it, it's probably worth, it was probably worth a lot of stuff. Um, the CD came in, uh. in, in a metal tin that was screen printed with terror and it came it was like uh it was like a black so it looked like a seven or, or like a four inch or whatever record but it was a cd and it came in this metal tin huh. i was so sick um i, I mean I, I said it about have hard is about taking hardcore to the world but i i think terror truly has taken hardcore to the ends of the earth hmm. um i mean they've played everywhere and you know Places you wouldn't even think like hardcore would exist. They played there. Um, and when this record came out, I mean, it's Todd Jones. I already loved everything he wrote and Scott being from Barry live, which I still think is, is one of the best hardcore bands uh, of the, the mid to late nineties. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't anyone love this record? Yeah. Like it's great, and and I think that in modern hardcore, that's that band. The band is still around. Uh, Terror reigns supreme over yeah. every every other band. And was this their? This was their only release on Bridge Nine. Uh, I I think they went and put um a, an EP out later on, um, and then um I, I think I, I think they did a couple other things with Bridge Nine later on down the road. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, if they were on Trust Kill, then I think they were on Victory later on. Victory, maybe yeah. Maybe something else after that, so. And yeah. they, they've released stuff, I believe, with, like, um, Triple B Records. I, I, they've re- released so much. Their catalog yeah. is deep. Yeah. Is that a band that you still keep up with? You still like everything they put out? Every release. Yeah. I pick it up. They had a, uh, man, I'm, I'm still a fan of hardcore. I still love it. Uh, for Thanksgiving, it was, it was actually... Uh, um, Black Friday, they did a um, a live stream. Man, I I pre-ordered the ticket to the live stream. I got the shirt, the stick tight long sleeve. Nice. Um, I'm 38 years old, and I still do it. Like I, I think everything that band writes is sick. Like yeah. there isn't anything they write that's not uh, on it. And you know they've had some member changes, but it's like you know t- Scott and um, and Nick, the drummer, have been since the beginning, um, killer duo. But I mean, dudes from Donny Brook, you know, from No Warning, from Down to Nothing, from Cruel Hand, like like they just have killers in that band yeah, all the that's time. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it's cool to to see you know not only them but lots of other bands from that era you know still going in in some way, shape, or form. So that's that's cool that they're still putting out music that engages you know old school fans. Yeah. I mean, and they're, and they're still about it. Like, like, you know, they, they've cleared a path 
for young kids to come in and understand how to do it, how to do it right. And, uh, and, and when I say how to do it right, not how to write songs that make you a big band, but right. how to be a band uh, that sticks by what you say you believe in. Um, it's, it's super easy to get to a certain age and then just, oh, I'm good. I'm done. And those right. guys, um, you know, they, they've got lives and they, they, you know, do, do other things, but they still are about a, a hardcore lifestyle. It's, it's awesome. They're, yeah. they're legit as legit as, as it comes. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Moving to number three, no warning, ill blood. This is the second album by Canadian band. Nice to see. It was released on November 26, 2002 on Bridge Nine, and it was the, the band's last album on the label. Why does, why does this one have meaning to you or stand out to you? Uh, I mean, freaking put it in and press play, and that's, I mean, it's it, from start to finish. It is, it is awesome. They did, uh, they did a seven-inch on Bridge Nine. I think it was just called No Warning. I could be wrong. That's incredible um but this is this is that perfect sound that is 100% hardcore with a tinge of metal in it um to me it's it's the closest 
um, I've ever heard a band to sounding without ripping off with being their, their complete own to uh, Age of Coral uh, by cro Like, it's got that same energy, that same feel, um, almost that, like, same, like, arrogance. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Um, and, and these guys, again, know how to write songs. Like, they're simple songs, but they're well-crafted um, I mean, it, they're incredible. Uh, it's a great record. Um, a band that has, I mean, there was all of this hype around them. There was all this like folklore about them. Um, like anywhere from, uh, I think at Posse Numbers Fest, there was like a, a rumor and it could have, it could have actually happened where, um, the, the singer, they, they did like, a uh, I can't remember like, a so they, they did a cover song and he like smashed a beer or something like that. He was supposed to be straight edge and like the, the rumor mill like loved no warning and it made their hype even better. Uh. Uh, so yeah, no, they, I, I, they, they didn't sound like any other band at the time and no other band has been able to touch them with that, that sound. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And for being a Canadian band, like, I don't know, like I definitely didn't hear about them. You know, anytime you know around this release or even years after, uh, I can't remember when when I first heard them. I saw them a number of years ago, maybe with Comeback Kid or Misery Signals or something. But um, yeah, it's just always interesting with you know Canada's a big country, but it's small in like I was saying, you know, before with how many places there are to play. And so I'm always um, interested when when there's bands it's like oh i never remember really hearing about that band and them coming through but you know listening to this you know it's not a super like mainstream kind of sounding album or something like it's you know a lot more raw uh so maybe they're yeah. just one of those bands that you know maybe played smaller shows or just didn't play tours that i would have heard of or something you know i don't know how much they toured on that record um I mean, they. I, I mean, I, I guarantee they probably did a, at least one full U.S. Um, and they were from Canada, um, but I mean that the record they put out after, and I feel like an idiot for forgetting it. That was on a, it was on a subsidiary of a of a major, um, and it had a different sound. Still sick, but uh, you know, I, I think Ben Cook starts doing a little singing on it, and you know, some people hated hated on it, but. Uh, okay. They uh they know how to write songs, man, and it is a it is a mosh filled record. Like when when that's uh, the the first song behind these walls when it starts out. Like if you're watching them, like everyone's getting punched in the neck, everyone, because <laughs> the room was gonna erupt and explode. Yeah. Um, just so sick, and you know, um. The, the guitar player, I, I can't remember his name, um, who helped write that record. I think Jordan, he's in terror now. So, oh, okay. so all the records, probably for the past three or four records, uh, Jordan and, and Martin um, in terror wrote it. So like, again, they know how to write songs. They, they, and they're great at the craft that they do. So it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a perfect record. Awesome. Well, Start to next- finish. This next one, I, I'm not sure if I've, I've heard of this band, Carry On, A Life Less Plague. It's back, so 
This was released on October 16th, 2001. So this is a long time ago. Um, I, I can't remember if uh, this one, if I could find this one on streaming today. I think I, yeah, I think it was on there. It took a little bit of a little bit of searching on there, but yeah, tell tell me about this band. Uh, amazing band. Uh, so this was they'd done a seven inch before uh, this, uh, and then they put this out. So this is uh, Todd Jones. It's not his first band, but it, it's it was like the band that made. Todd Jones, the folklore that Todd Jones is, uh, who later on went to, to start uh, pair with with Scott and Nick. Um, awesome band. It's it's got that like these like youth crew structure of a song. You know, super fast, super short songs. Um, it's got some mosh parts, but it's not really heavy. Mm. Um, it recorded Kurt Ballou recorded this. Um, phenomenal um and it 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 took what what bands like um like 10 yard fight um shark attack all that kind of stuff and it it like it was like a modern version of that so angry aggressive um when when that like posi core kind of like you know, expansion happened in hardcore. They were the complete opposite of that. Um, they, they were super, you know, kind of gloom and doom and not happy. Um, they, they did their own thing and they, they, they kind of revived that style of, of really fast, aggressive, angry, uh, punk laced hardcore. Yeah. And did they, did they have releases after this? Like where did they go on for a while? No, so Carry On was a straight edge band, and I believe before the record came out that the singer sold out. Um, and at that time, um, I, th- I believe everyone else in the band was still straight edge. And so they're like, we're not going to be a band anymore. But yeah. Bridge Nine, and, and this is like interviews I've read, I believe Chris called Todd and was like, dude, I've sunk a lot of money into this record. Can you please tour at least once? with it like so i can try to make my money back right uh and so they they did like uh i I think a full u.s obviously didn't hit all 50 states but um every song still holds up man like like i mean there's songs on there that are 20 seconds long but it's it's a complete song it's kind of weird um super gritty fast um it has that that kurt blue like sound and, and like you know production um so it's got a lot of energy um but it's clear again man really really good songwriting yeah that's awesome check it out yeah that's cool that that uh you know something is can we say 20 second songs like you know there's there's a lot of punk bands that have short songs and i don't know a lot of those that really you know stand out to me so it's cool when you know a band can can focus on really short pieces like that that have a lasting impression yeah, it's uh, it's great. If if you, um, I think anyone who got into punk, uh, especially like the 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 harder parts uh, of of punk, would definitely dig this record. But if you're into metal, if you're into um, hardcore, it's got everything for you on there. It's, yeah. it's really good. That's awesome. Yeah, the last pick here is uh, American Nightmare slash Give Up the Ghost. American Nightmare. <laughs> I'm gonna be the floor. I'm gonna be the floor. Stay. I'm gonna be the floor. 
so yeah, this release, like there was some, you know, there was another band called American Nightmare or something, and they were gonna get sued and have to change their name or what kind of. Because when I was looking this up, it was you know even on Spotify, like it was, it was kind of confusing trying to trying to find it and just even looking at their Wikipedia page. And so, what can you yeah. tell me about this band and why this album stands out to you and kind of what what was going on with it? Yeah. So so first going back. So I believe this is so. I believe when this came out, it was, it was the, it was the please die seven inch or demo. Um, that's what it was. American nightmare, please die. Um, and I believe this is if, and I could be wrong. Someone could text me when they listen to this and be like, you're an idiot, but I'm almost certain that this is the record that Chris Wren, who is the founder owner leader of bridge nine fought a dude in a parking lot. Okay. Won 500 <laughs> bucks, won enough money to, to press, a thousand copies of this or 500 copies, whatever, um, of this record. Um, and it's, it's what jumped, um, bridge nine made bridge nine who the, the, the amazing label that they are. Um, it's not my favorite, but something special, like, like no band was sounding like this. Um, and then they later went on to, um, when they put background music out, it was like, game over if you're playing this style of hardcore you should you should learn how to write songs because this is a perfect record mm. but so long story short background music came out and i believe background music came out on equal vision um there was a band from boston so this american nightmares from boston uh tim was in 10 yard fight uh, and some other dudes joined um called american nightmare which is american nightmare is a misfits song Okay. Um, so there was a Misfits cover band, I believe, that only played on Halloween night in a bar, right? But they had, they had been doing it for 10 years. And so they sued American Nightmare because obviously they were traveling, touring the world, putting records out, you know, selling tons of records. Um, through the lawsuit, they ended up having to change their name to Give Up the Ghost, re-release everything. So, so this came out, Give Up the Ghost. American Nightmare background music came out as Give Up the Ghost relabeled. Um, Lo Love American, the, the next record was always Give Up the Ghost. So they had to kind of change everything around to it. Oh, that's um, annoying. So that's, that's kind of why that name change happened. Okay. And did you keep up with this band as well? Did they keep putting out records that caught your attention? Of course. Dude, every record they put out is a banger. They put a record out last year. Yeah, that's uh, right. A lot different. So Wes, yeah, so Wes, who uh, is the vocalist for the band, um, he, wild dude. So I remember seeing him. So the first time I saw them was, I believe it was they were doing an East Coast run for this 7-inch with Kill Your Idols. Uh, and I drove down to South Carolina. Um, Chris from Stretch Armstrong, who is a, is a, is a, a great friend. He put the show on. Uh, so some of the stretch guys were there. It was, I can't even remember who played, um, besides it, it may have been this, this band called, uh, reinforced or the first step. I can't remember opened. And then it was American nightmare and then kill your idols. And there were probably 25 people there. It was one of those magical, like, like I, I don't have being from Carolina. Like I don't have a lot of those stories. Like, I saw this band before anyone else did and before they were big, but that's one I still, 
that's in my quiver of like uh, I can talk about. So we drove down to Columbia, South Carolina, 25 people. Um, and it, it, it was amazing. Wes, I, I mean, it's 25 people. So they're not even on the stage there. And they went wild. Right. And Wes, I remember he like grabbed my shirt and was like punching me in the chest while he was, uh, while he was singing. And I was like scared slash excited. Like <laughs> this is, inc- it was everything we all, we want. Right. Like, like sometimes you want to feel like I don't know what's happening right, right now. I don't know what could happen. Uh, and it, it gave me that feeling. So ever since, you know, I saw them, um, I was locked in. So every release, every release is great because the, again, phenomenal songwriters, uh, great musicians. Um, they, they had a guy named Jared who, uh, I believe he played drums on the seven inch. He definitely played drums on, on, on please die. I'm pretty sure he, he played drums on background music, but um, this dude was like the, the drumming um, God of, of the Northeast. So he, he did, he, he tracked all the original or early American nightmare stuff. Uh, the hope conspiracy in oh, note, yeah. he, he recorded on that um, Throwdown. Um, he, he did, he did throw down. Uh, I think his name's Jared Davis, uh, suicide file. He did that. Like, okay. wow. he's got a super unique, uh, drum style that you can kind of hear on all this, but I mean, just phenomenal record, man. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. That rules. I, and I love hearing kind of the passion behind it. And, you know, sometimes to me, hardcore can be one of those genres where, it maybe doesn't seem like there's as much like dynamic or quality songwriting or, you know, maybe that's what, sorry, like maybe what outside people would, would hear, you know, like there's no solos, so they must not be good guitar players or, you know, all these different things. And so I just love, you know, talking with someone that, you know, can draw out and pull out all these, like, you know, where it's production or songwriting or just things that make these songs hold up over time is, is really unique and really cool. So thanks for sharing your thoughts on all those. Yeah, man. I think, you know, one thing that people forget that like a lot of people will try to, um, it's, it's like the Eddie Van Halen effect. Like they, they get the same guitar Eddie Van Halen had. They've got a 5150. They've got it. Mike. He mic'd them in, in all his records. They, they learn all the, the Van Halen licks. They record it. And it's like, dang, that doesn't sound like Eddie Van Halen. There's a reason. It's because it's not the equipment. It's, it's how you play and, and the yeah. feel you put into it. And so we've got three records that we talked about that Kurt Ballou recorded. Yeah. But they all sound different because it's different people writing the songs and playing it. Um, so there's so much in like the actual person playing it, and it doesn't have to show off, right? It's like it's how you play a riff. Are you, are you ahead of the beat? Are you a little bit behind? Um, like it, are, are you staying in a pocket? Is, you know, it, there's so many things that make up a really good song uh, and, and good songwriters. And you don't have to be someone who graduated from Berkeley school of music to be a great songwriter. And I think that's one amazing thing about hardcore. Um, and every single band that we talked about, they care about how their songs are written and played. Yeah. And, and I, I truly believe that they're like, we want to write songs that mean something to people, right? Yeah. Like, like they want to say something, but two, that in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, you'll put these records on and it, it'll be just like, you're listening to 
um, the Omega sessions from Bad Brains where it still holds up, um, or or Age of Quarrel from uh, from Cro-Mags. Like, wow, it's it's still fresh and it's still something that I want to listen to. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally agree, and I and I love hearing that that side of things. That's just kind of helps to put it into perspective and and give a different different take on on you know these albums that you know a lot of them are are very raw and gritty you know it's not you know like super polished hardcore so maybe that's what i was Mm -hmm. kind of saying like it's cool to hear you know because even for myself you know listening through these you know it can get tiring on my ears even though i am a fan of the kind of music but when i hear you know uh your perspective or someone's perspective that like can really draw things out of the songs it just adds so much more you know, even if I don't go back and listen to it, I appreciate it more when I see this band, you know, or the title or something. It's gonna be like, oh, like, oh, yeah. I should, I want to look into this a bit more because, you know, Johnny gave it, you know, really good recommendation, and he had all these, <laughs> you know, kind of cool insights to to share about it. So, really appreciate hearing that from a passionate music fan. Absolutely, man. And you know, one thing that I love doing is I love looking and listening to bands that came after certain bands or find bands that you really like and dig into them a little deeper. And, and that's, what's really cool about hardcore and punk and, and some types of metal is a lot of times, obviously now during a pandemic you can, but if you see a band, you can talk to them and you can really dig in and find out who they liked and then who they liked. And you, you can speak, you, it, it brings new life into these records. Like I guarantee that Andrew and Jeremy from comeback kid who, you know, broadcasting and, you know, all like the later victory um, comeback kid records who are, uh, they're a little more polished and melodic. Yeah. Those dudes loved these records and they inspired them to start that band. Um, and without these bands writing the way they wrote comeback kid wouldn't have happened. And I only use comeback kid just because it's a, a pretty relevant band right. uh, that I know who are some legit guys who yeah. have been in it for a long time. Um, and so you can always do that with, with records. You can, you can kind of trace back. And, and for me, doing that, that's how, that's how I got into bands. But also, it gives a new respect to know that, that this, um, this, this band or musician helped inspire this band or musician that inspired this. You know, you kind of go down that line. Yeah, yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, so kind of wrapping things up here, what's what's the current status of, of Advent, Beloved again? Um, I mean, obviously, things aren't yeah. lining up uh, very well for anyone these days. Um, <laughs> but what are kind of, you know, when things are, are somewhat back to normal? Like, what, what are the hopes, you know, besides uh, um, Furnace Fest and that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I'll start with Advent. Um, so Mike lives in Portland. Uh, I think he's looking at moving to Nashville. Je- uh, Jordan lives in Nashville. Joe and I live here. So we've, we've got uh, a plan to when we can get back together. Uh, it'll be sometime this year. Uh, we're going to go in and record um, a, 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 another few songs. Uh, we won't ever do a full length. Like to me, at the age I'm at and, and the time that I could really dedicate, yeah. um, I want to write. I want to write two to four songs that we're super super stoked on and and release it i I think that's it it, in this day of of digital age of music i think that's the best way to to release songs so um we've already got songs written that we just got to record um and then we'll play whenever we can play right um 
And then Beloved, we've got, uh, so we went in the studio this summer and we recorded a song that we were going to record 17 years ago. Uh, we recorded a cover of uh, Like a Song by U2 yeah. uh, off the war record. Uh, that came out really, really great. Um, so if um, Furnace Fest happens in September, we're going to play Furnace Fest. Uh, we've already got um, a Winston show that was supposed to happen back in April that, that sold out in like 25 hours or some, something ridiculous. Um, we're going to have a second show with that. And then maybe here or there, um, we'd like to record more songs um, for beloved as, as we can do it. We won't ever do a record. We're, we're not going to be like a, a real full-time band or anything like that, right. but um, yeah, we're going to do what we can do when we can do it and try anything we do. We're going to try to make it memorable and, and important and put everything we have into it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. One last, one last question with like with the U2 cover, I, you know, that's cool to hear that that was something you wanted to do back then. And, you know, you still did it now. How did that kind of play out? You know, you guys have been gone a long time, you know, there's all this hype with you being back and then, you know, releasing a cover song, um, kind of, what was the decisions around that or why did you want to record yeah. that one so badly? Yeah. So kind of going back to, you know, 17 years ago, um, be- or beloved, you know, we had a lot of different musical tastes and I think that's what helped us with sound the way we sounded, but we all had a respect and, and, and love for you two. To me, um, the first time I heard Joshua tree, um, it was actually the probably off rattle and hum. So right after Joshua tree, uh, they do a version of, um, I still haven't uh, found what I'm looking for with a church in like Harlem. Um, It's, it's on, I I believe rattle and hum. And it was the first time I actually felt music. So I grew up in the church. Uh, I, I, I love being part of the church and, and I love singing songs. When I heard that, um, I, I, I finally understood what people talked about feeling music, right? Like, like it literally touched me to my like soul. And I was like, this feeling is, it's crazy. Like, like I'm emotional. I, I understand things and I'm, I don't know, 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm a young, young kid. Yeah. Um, and so it stuck with me. Um, and you know, my love for you two kind of, you know, grew, we all met, we all loved you two. And so, um, when we were coming back, we, we never got to do it because we broke up. The reality is we're like, do we, we know we can play the songs, right? Because like we're fairly proficient musicians. We can play these songs, but I wonder if we can like, you know, construct a song. And so it it follows somewhat of the same pattern. Like we didn't want to change it. It's a perfect song as is, but we wanted to see, can we be creative? Like, will it sound good? Right? Like, like we do change it up just a a little bit. Um, And it was a test. We're like, you know, does, is it going to work? Because the reality is we could try to write something and it could suck. And if it does, we just need to be like, all right, we're going to play uh furnace fest and we're going to hang it up. We know <laughs> our time is done. Yeah. Uh, so it was a test really. Like um, it, it was faster than like the writing process. Right. Um, yeah. And it was, we could dip our feet into, to see if we still had it. And I think it came out really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, yeah. I mean, the pictures were floating around and the hype was there and, 
and then you guys put a post saying something about like it wasn't going to be original music and and so it was kind of that curious like oh like okay like they're back after all this time they're gonna you know it's not original what's it gonna be and but yeah you guys did a great job of that and and because i'm not a huge well i don't really know you two really at all you know it, it was still kind of like a new song to me because i didn't really know the original anyway so right so that's yeah I, I guess for the for those that that really know that song then it's cool to hear your take on it for those that don't then it's you know just to have new music it could again, be so. yeah <laughs> but we we do have a, a a little something uh coming out soon that that will be exciting to share with people yeah awesome well, Johnny, it's been a pleasure getting to hear your insight and, and hear your passion for music and Bridge Nine. And so, yeah, thanks so much for, for taking the time to, to talk with us tonight. Thank and, you. And to share. And I uh, really look forward to whenever we can do this again about some other band or topic or something because, yeah, this was a blast. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope you uh, have a great rest of the week. <laughs>